True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Basketball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. It's Wednesday, it's hump day, and we are talking fantasy baseball. I was about to say we are humping, but I thought it would be inappropriate, so I'm just not going to say it. Definitely not going to say it. I mean, you said it, though. I didn't say it. I said I'm not going to say it. And then like, you still said it? <laughs> saying you're not going to say something would is never still say it. saying it. No, big difference, Chris. One would be completely inappropriate. Anyway, Luis Severino needs Tommy John surgery. Uh, J.D. Davis <sighs> had an MRI. Chris Sale won't be ready for opening day. We'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about the Astros. we got our outfield leftovers, our favorite late-round picks at outfield. And then a bunch of your emails at fantasybaseball.cbsi.com, and then our good friends, the Regulators, are swinging by a little bit later. It's the first Fantasy Regulators, I think, of 2020, at least in a long time. No? No. February? I think we did at least one. Yeah, definitely the first in February. Okay. Were you here the whole month of February? I don't know. I'm pretty sure he was. All right, first in several weeks. Yeah, first in a minute. Okay, first uh, regular. If you have a league dispute, a commissioner issue, and you want us to solve it, send an email to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com and put fantasy regulators in the subject line. We will play the regulators music and talk about your fantasy league. That's basically all it is. Let's go right to the news and notes. Luis Severino's out for the year with Tommy John surgery. The replacement options are not that exciting. Jordan Montgomery is probably going to be in the rotation at least till Paxton's back. Luis Sessa, Jonathan Loaiza, Sessa seems like relief. Jonathan Loaiza, Michael King, Davey Garcia. Davey Garcia is a kind of sexy prospect. I don't know, at least in Yankee mm-hmm. land. Uh, oh, he is. Okay. Uh, but more importantly, what do you think about Luis Severino's future? He threw... 12 innings last year so that is going to be 12 innings in two years and he probably won't be ready for opening day next year he had a 298 ERA in 2017 339 in 2018 really good but Scott what's the outlook right now for Severino well it looks worse because the Yankees didn't catch it sooner, which is also which was also the case in the James Paxton James Paxton injury, right? Like these yep. guys could have had these things done at the beginning of the off season, and yeah, that's that's got to be frustrating as a Yankees fan. It's um, ridiculous. They both were hurt during, like playing hurt during the playoffs, and it's not. It's, it's crazy. It's not just them. Like that training staff. I don't know how they much fired they fired everyone. Staff, they fired everyone. They replaced the entire training staff. Yeah, that. They've had some really, really bad injury luck. I mean, they ruined Giancarlo Stanton. All of a sudden, he can't stay healthy. <laughs> right. Um, but I I think this is a time to buy him in a dynasty league. I mean, he's still, what, 25? Like, mm-hmm. he's still got a, his whole career ahead of him. And, you know. Scott, you missed his Tommy birthday. Tommy John surgery is, what do you mean? You what mi- are, what, how am I saying anything controversial? No, here? you missed his birthday. I thought you cared about Luis Severino. He just turned oh, 26, 26 last week. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, still, 
I had someone reach out and ask uh, about a dynasty trade for Luis Severino. They'd be giving up Philly's prospect, Spencer Howard. I love that. I think if you can get a non, if you can give up a non elite starting pitching prospect for Luis Severino, I think you go for it. Yeah, I think pretty much anybody but Mackenzie Gore and Jesus Luzardo. I think I'd I think I'd deal any pr- pitching prospect for Severino straight up because we like he's twice over. He's proven to be a Cy Young caliber pitcher in the majors, and it, some of the health issues he's had are, are in recent years are now explained. And there's a good chance he comes back from this procedure. I'd say a better chance than not he comes back from this procedure as as strong as ever. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's a shame, and he will not be pitching this year. The Yankees won the AL East with him throwing 12 innings, so that's pretty impressive. But I also think there's a chance they go opener with Chad Green for what that's worth. They did that pretty successfully successfully last year. Um, you know, now Jordan Montgomery could have a more permanent spot now with this because he yes, was already yes. penciled into that fifth spot with uh, Paxton being out. Right, and he's okay. You know, I I actually. In looking at him yesterday, uh, I wrote the Luis Severino injury reaction. I wrote about their potential rotation options in-house, as well as some guys that you can add if you've already drafted Luis Severino. And um, Montgomery's pretty good. He's got three-plus secondary pitches in terms of whiff rate and results. Uh, The issue for him in 20... We have to go back to 2017 was when he was in the... yeah. The issue for him back then was his fastballs just got crushed, both the sinker and the four-seamer, but he's a Yankee. He's not going to throw a lot of fastballs anyway. That's just kind of how they roll. And the fact that he's got you know, a good curveball changeup and slider, it, it makes me think that there could be better results than even what we saw in 2017, which was pretty good. Look, 380-80 ERA, 362 ERA, a little less than a strikeout per inning in his first two seasons, one of them was very abbreviated. So, uh, yeah, he, he's okay. He's he's all right. He's all right. Maybe we'll talk about him tomorrow on the starting pitcher preview. Next news item, Freddie Freeman has elbow soreness, but it does not appear to be a big deal. But that is a continuation of what plagued him in September. Is anybody concerned about Freddie Freeman? Plagued him for the last couple of years is what he said. He, he had uh, bone spurs and bone fragments removed from his elbow and was quoted in January saying this is the first time he's been pain-free in several years, which, I mean, he was so good last year playing through that injury that it was like, well, he could be even better now that he's healthy. And and now, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a concern. It, it's not like move him down your draft boards. He's already going, I think, relatively low based on how the three of us expect him to play. So it, it's yeah. just, it's a, it's a red flag. It's, it's something to watch. It sounds like it's a scar tissue situation. The Braves said they anticipated it. So I'm, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't, it's not like it doesn't raise the concern at all, but I'm, I'm, I'm mostly just ignoring it. J.D. Davis had an MRI on his left shoulder, revealed no structural damage. Can we ignore that right now with J.D. Davis? Um, This has the potential to put his opening day status in doubt, I would think, but it doesn't sound like it's uh, a major long-term issue. All right, that's J.D. Davis. Aaron Judge still out with a shoulder issue, kind of like Freeman. He's had shoulder issues in the past. Are we worried about that? It sounds like he's on the verge of returning, last I saw, right? Yeah. So if they're this early in spring training, they're going to let him, they're going to put him in a game. It's probably not a big deal. All right, Aaron Judge. Now, Chris Sale, he's healthy, but he will not be ready for opening day, reportedly, because of pneumonia. So he had pneumonia. He's pushed back a little bit. And I think I, I think the, play, the one player that I just don't know how to feel about more than any other player in fantasy baseball is Chris Sale. I think the issue is he got sick, and he lost like 5 or 10 pounds, and now they can't find him. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, he is a thin dude. Um, yeah, no, we can't. We can't have this, right? Like the arm injuries are going to happen. You're going to have somebody who pops up and needs Tommy John. That's that's going to happen to the starting pitcher pool. But you got James Paxton's back. You got Mike Clevenger's knee, and now you got this pneumonia situation with Chris Sale. 
Uh, man, that's that's uh, that's four of that ever critical. It's ten percent uh, of them. That yeah, top forty. Yeah, that top forty that I keep talking about that you kind of need to build the bulk of your pitching staff with, and four of them are not going to be available at the start of the season now, and it's still February. So that's that's only going to uh, make the competition for the healthy ones fiercer. And Justin Verlander was scratched with groin discomfort, but he will throw a simulated game instead, so that one really does seem precautionary. Welcome to Starting Pitcher. And hopefully we welcome you to our Facebook group, you can now find it facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today and come on in. We got uh, some new additions yesterday, so that was exciting. And we're uh, probably about a thousand people now. I'd like to get that up to 5,000. I mean, I think we have, I know we have enough listeners. So join our Facebook group. Conversations are posted in there, keeper questions and leagues to join, stuff like that. Uh, I was jumping in the conversation oh, good. a little bit. Good. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll post some comments for sure. Good. Yeah. No, good. And I think we'll, you know, hopefully we'll have some Q and A's and stuff like that through the week or throughout the, throughout the year. Also, again, I'll just say, please leave us a nice review on Apple podcasts. It would really help. I had a thought the other day. I know it's not something that I think is going to be very popular because, you know, it's not supported by evidence or anything like that, but I'm starting to get a little bit more nervous about drafting Astros. I, for, for not, for, for more speculative reasons. So I'll just say that, that it's it's not concrete stuff, but it's, okay, it's a few things. One, uh, I think it's going to be annoying for them. Like, I, I think it could be really tough on their clubhouse to have to deal with this all year. Two, I think every team cheats to some degree, and I don't think they're going to be able to really cheat. I think the microscope is on them. Like, they're going to be, it's almost like a, a college team that's on probation. You can't do it anymore. So there's that. And three, I was just kind of thinking, like, let's say you were a baseball player. As we've sort of looked at their home versus road splits um, and said, yeah, look, a lot of them were better on the road than they were at home. But let's say you were a baseball player and you were cheating in half your games. I feel like that would make you a better all-around player. You'd be doing better. You'd have more confidence. Everybody would think you're great. I think it would carry over. I know, I know. This is a wacky Azer thing, but <laughs> I don't think. No, I, mean, I, I, I just sure don't. There are some people who would agree with you, and I'm not willing to just say, "Oh, it stopped in 2018," and they definitely weren't cheating in any other way. Because I think every team probably cheats a little bit, which is why I've been kind of surprised at how aggressively people have been speaking out against them. It's almost like, "Be careful! You better not have any skeletons in your <laughs> <No>. own closet." <laughs> Everybody's so sanctimonious, right? I mean, look, got- nobody would ever hypothetically go in front of Congress, let's say, and point their <laughs> yeah, finger. Right, right, right. <laughs> and say that they've never taken steroids and then fail. Like, that's not the kind of... I don't no. know what you guys are talking Period. about. Period. <laughs> yeah, no. They would do, right, so I don't know. I'm getting, like, a little more nervous about it because I, 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 think, I think this all might really weigh on them a little bit. I have another theory that also can't be really uh, backed up by data it's just kind of a human nature thing i think they're going to be so motivated to validate their championship from 2017 like beyond just the typical team you can you can tell just by the way they're reacting the way you know people are saying they should have the championship revoked and they're like no guys we really earned it and i'm sure they they feel like they would have won even if they hadn't had that going on and you know what they might have won if they hadn't had that going on so i i think just because there's so much they're they're taking it personally now that the the way the people are undermining the championship they won, and look, it's it's fair to undermine the championship I won. I'm not saying people are wrong to uh, to say that about the Astros, but based on the way their big players are responding to it, um, they're not they're not going to go quietly. Yeah, I think we need a new musical cue. Okay, for these discussions, can you tell me how to get? <laughs> How to get to Narrative Street? <laughs> what? That's all. Like that's that's all this is. It's just competing hypothetical narratives sure. that are totally unproven. And like, yeah, there could be a me against us against the world factor that brings the clubhouse close to closer together. They get riled up. They start like putting a 
a poster board of Mike fires and start taking pieces of his clothing off with every win <laughs> that they get. Like it's possible. It's possible that they're mentally weak and they can't handle the scrutiny that's going to come. Cause they're going to be taking questions about it every day. All of these things are possible. I just, I don't see what value there is in trying to account for it while building your team, especially when, they're already, it, it's not like you're paying face value for any of the Astros at this point. No. Like, pretty much uh, across no, I the don't board, ag- they're getting discounts. There, there uh, is no value to it. It just seemed like an interesting discussion to have. You're paying, you're paying up for Bregman. You're not paying up for Springer. But you're not. And you're not. Is you are paying thing. up for Bregman. Absolutely. You're paying a high price, but you're not paying face value. I think you are paying face value. And not, maybe not in a points league since he was the number one hitter. But in a Roto League, since he doesn't really steal bases, I think you absolutely are. Yeah, his ADP is ninth overall. Yeah, that's, but that's fine. That makes but sense. I've, I've seen, seen him, him go later than that for sure. Yeah, some of these TGFBI leagues, he's gone in the second round. Those are fifteen team leagues. Yeah, it's I've funny, seen him like nineteenth, twentieth overall. I don't think if if he's going that late, then that's insane. But I don't think anyone else is being discounted because of the cheating. I think Springer's being discounted because he's had he hasn't had a year like he did in two thousand nineteen. I think Altuve is being discounted because of his age. He doesn't run and, you know, some down performance the last couple of years. Alvarez is kind of interesting because if he's outfield eligible, then he's a huge discount. If he's DH only, then he's appropriate. Uh, Brantley is being discounted, though. So that, yeah, I don't, maybe, maybe they are, maybe there are. I just think, I just think Brantley's always been a little underrated in a roto context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex it, Bregman might steal bases this year. I'm really that's that's one of my hot takes. Alex Bregman twenty steal season. When we do bold predictions, mm. remind me of that. That'd one. be nice. It wouldn't shock me if Altuve stole fifteen bases. Yeah, he's still his sprint speed still is still yeah. Hot. Like it, it, it I, I just, I I feel like there is like a Jose Altuve is coming off a two ninety eight thirty one homer season, and has. A, a track record of being one of the five best players in fantasy for you know most of the last half decade. Um, so yeah, the fact that he's going in the thirty range, yeah, I think he is being discounted. So let's talk about some late round outfielders in the mid rounds. I do like Michael Brantley in the late rounds. Yeah, well, Kyle Tucker's almost late rounds, but we are now like yesterday we got up to the basically the top seventy outfielders. We ended. No, I'm sorry, it was the top. 60 was Buxton. Where's Buxton? Uh, 50. 51. 50. Okay. Top 50 outfielders. 180 picks. 15 rounds. After that, let's get to some more names. Just going to throw out names. And without this being the rest of the show, guys, tell me who you like and who you don't like. We got Hunter Dozier, J.D. Davis, Adam Eaton, Scott Kingery, and Andrew McCutcheon. Hunter Dozier, J.D. Davis, Adam Eaton, Scott Kingery, Andrew McCutcheon. Do well, we you know how I feel JD about Davis. You know how I feel about JD Davis. Yes. He's a player I love. Um, if the shoulder issue becomes the thing that impacts his availability at the start of the year, uh, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But it, uh, the Mets beat writer for MLB.com, I forget his name, but I was reading his mailbag the other day, and he said, Yoan Cespedes isn't going to be ready to play the field on opening day. Like that's not that's not a realistic possibility, and that J.D. Davis is absolutely going to be the Mets' starting left fielder uh, on opening day. So, like that, from a from a voice of authority, a better voice of authority than I am, um, that was pretty definitive. That J.D. Davis is going to be, play a big role for the Mets this year, and uh, I'm not. I'm not sure the reason to wait this long to take him, if that's the case, because 300 batting average, 900 OPS, in a way that the data backs up. I mean, that's that's awesome production for the 180 range, and you could get use it at third base or the outfield. So JD Davis, of course, I love him. Scott Kingery, I think, is one of the mm-hmm. most underdrafted players. Like he seems like a likely 2020 man in an environment where all the steals guys are going for. You're having to reach for them without a doubt. Um, Cesar Hernandez is gone. Michael Franco's gone. Kingery's going to play more than he did last year. And if you just project out the numbers, he's right at 2020. I could see something similar to what Tommy Pham does. 
Yeah, without the plate discipline and, you know, points league, there's going to be a gap in the value yeah. still. But um, but yeah, in a five by five context could be very similar. All right. Next group we've got. Oh, I don't know what, if you said anything about McCutcheon, but I just want to say that before his injury last year towards ACL, he was a top 20 outfielder in points leagues. Let me see mm-hmm. exactly what the numbers were, but he was batting leadoff. Uh, if I recall, or at least he was 14. He was the number 14 outfielder in points, number 34 in Roto. So he's not really a Roto guy, but he still has good plate discipline. This is the ver- the 2019 version of McCutcheon. Being 33 years old coming off an ACL injury is one thing, but if he plays like he did last year, he's a, just mm-hmm. like, wait, 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 make him your third outfielder in points leagues. Okay, moving on. Jock Peterson, Garrett Hampson. Nick Senzel, Justin Upton, Alex Verdugo. Junk Peterson, Garrett Hampson, Nick Senzel, Justin Upton, Alex Verdugo. I wrote about bounce back candidates for 2020 uh, for CBSSports.com, and I kind of broke them down into like bet on it, health permitting, not sure. And I had Justin Upton as a long shot, but I actually like his chances of bouncing back better than basically anyone else in the long shot group. He kind of seems like someone who should mostly just get a pass for 2019. He had that toe injury in spring training and toe turf toe is a really tough injury to come back from. We we see it in every sport. We've seen it ruin ruin seasons in football. We've seen it ruin seasons in baseball. Um I think he's mostly going to come back and be the guy that he was uh before last year and that guy gets to play in probably the best lineup he's been in in a long time. So I think you're looking at 30 homers, a batting average that's probably pretty neutral, and maybe the threat of 15 steals isn't there anymore, but he probably won't be a total zero there. Yeah, don't I don't think you should expect 2017. He was no. the number seven outfielder in points, number five in Roto. But other than that, Justin Upton's usually somewhere in the outfielder 20 to 30 range at the end of the season. Um, steals might kind of, push him one way or the other but he's obviously a guy that's in your lineup and yes he missed he missed 71 games with turf toe he homered on the first pitch he saw he homered three times in his first six games and then he slumped very badly and needed a prp injection in his knee at the end of the year and he was also dealing with patellar tendonitis during spring training so there's a lot of risk but there's reward there um in round like 19 or 20 scott who else in that group would you be interested in jock peterson garrett hampson senzel upton verdugo well, Garrett Hampson is another player who I love the value for steals here. I know he doesn't have a dedicated job on the Rockies, but he can play everywhere. He's going to play a lot. And um, it, it's it's possible he's a great contributor in batting average, too, and not a zero in power. So there there's a lot to like about him here, and I think he's very bankable for stolen bases. Verdugo would be interesting, if not for this back issue, that... Yeah. This carries over from last year, and we're not exactly sure when he's going to be able to play again. It's not going to be on opening day. But if if he didn't have any health concerns, I think he could be a top 120 player. Yeah, I take him here and put him on my IL. Yeah, maybe get a little bit of a discount from this too. We're at no, nah, I mean 220 overall is pretty late. But yeah, he's going to play for the Red Sox. They just acquired him for Mookie Betts, so there's a lot invested there. I'd say, and he's. Batted 294. Like, yeah, I I think he's good value. All right, next up, Joe some some old and young here. Joe Adele and Shinsu Chu. Doesn't get much different than that. AJ Pollock, David Peralta, Luis Arise, and Mitch Haniger, who's gonna be out for much of the season, so that ADP is gonna keep falling. But Joe Adele, Shinsu Chu, AJ Pollock, David Peralta, Luis Arise. You got you drafting any of these guys? Do you want to know how many players here? Guess how many players had at least 24 homers and 15 steals last season? Uh, 12. 12 exactly. Woo! Would Let's you like to me. know who was among those 12 and who is going by far the latest on draft? I would. I'm, I'm guessing Shinsu Chu. Shinsu Chu. He's. And the thing is, he's also really good in a points league because he walks mm-hmm. a ton. Shinsu Chu, it's. He's going to fall off at some point, but he's basically been treated as an afterthought in fantasy for like five straight years. And he's been a pretty significant value in three straight. 
He's not really showing any signs of slowing down. He's not really showing any of the typical signs of aging. Like he's running as much as he really ever did. You know, not quite 20 steals, but 15 is a really good number. And he's played 146 games three straight years. Shinsu Chu, value. Mm-hmm. It is good, value, uh, but it's not upside. I mean, yeah, it I, is. I don't, I don't really think so. Because this is what you should do if you draft Shinsu Chu. You should trade him when he's hot. <laughs> Because he's he's streaky, you know, like two straight years, he's been pre- like really bad after the All Star break, and maybe that's just him being old. He also cannot hit lefties. Um, he's like he is better in points. Leagues. Last two years, he's been the number twenty six outfielder and the number twenty five outfield outfielder in points leagues. But this is the kind of thing where it's like you ha- you have to know from experience. What is Shinsu Chu in a points league? Well, there's probably going to be some weeks where he's really, really good. He's going to be on waivers at the start. And then you're going to pick him up, and he's going to be pretty good for you for like a month. And then you're going to find out he's pretty replaceable. That's that's the way I see it. I I don't agree. Like I, I don't think a guy who finishes 20th and 25th or 21st and 25th in, two, in, 25th in the last two 25th years. and 26th. It, well, he's I, probably not getting drafted in a three-outfielder league, judging by... ADP here because he's yeah, right. he'll he'll end up on he'll end up starting for someone if, if he's as good as he was last year he'll end up starting for somebody like, I, I don't know that you can bank on the steals he had six in 2018 sure. oh, 12 the been, year before yeah I mean they've been they've been up and down but yeah. it's it's I see him as like a break in case of emergency pick like oh man I've gotten I've gotten uh burned in the outfield over and over again and I really need I really need something that I know is going to be halfway decent and you take Chu and maybe he ends up being a little more than halfway decent. And I think it he's just, best. You were just it, sorry. Adam, you were singing point. the praises of Andrew McCutcheon just now. I, yeah, I, I, I see your point. I think McCutcheon's better, um, but I see your point. Uh, Chu to me, his best is not necessarily points. It's, it's an OBP league because where are you going to find a 370 OBP that late in the draft? You know, like that's just yeah, tremendous. So, but look, I, he's safe. He's safe. He's not sexy, but yes, he's probably undervalued. Shinsu Chu, did we, did we, Joe, Joe Adele, like, do you draft him? AJ Pollock, by the way, is apparently going to platoon with Jock Peterson, so that's no good. Um, David Peralta, David Peralta's going 253rd overall. That's like 10 rounds later than he was going last year. So I'm kind of interested in him. Would you guys rather, Take a gamble on Joe Adele or draft David Peralta, who's going to actually play. I'd, I'd rather take a gamble on Joe Adele. I yeah. don't think it was a fluky power year that Peralta had two years ago. And he seems pretty, pretty boring. Can I give you, so, a, can I give you a case for Peralta though? Cause he okay, battled injuries last year. He had a shoulder injury throughout the season. Then he had surgery. His first 46 games before he went on the IL, he had an 881 OPS. He batted 309 with only seven home runs, but he had 16 doubles and two triples. And then he got hurt, you know, and he just struggled after that. And also, he was one of those guys in 2018, Peralta, he hit the ball so much harder. So 48.6%. It was still 43.2% last year. I don't know. That's the case. The case is... No, he wasn't as good as he was in 2018, but before he went on the IL, he had an 881 OPS. He's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I, he's not exciting. Yeah, I mean, All of that sounds true. No, it is true. Yeah, yeah. No, I, okay, that's fine. I just want to throw that out there. Hey, if I'm going to take the time to look at the splits, I might as well say them, right? Joe Adele, uh, do you think he... What, when do you think he gets called up for the Angels? May. I think he gets called up mid-season, whether it's July or May. Uh, it's hard to say. But not June. It probably depends on how <laughs> things are going with Justin Upton and how things are going with Adela AAA, but it'll be this season. Okay. All right, moving on. Mitch Hanniger, Hunter Renfro now with the Rays. Brian Anderson with the Marlins, also third base eligible. Avi Garcia, not a full-time player with the Brewers. No more Mazzara. Oh, here are two guys that we like. I like Mazzara quite a bit based on nothing that he's done in the past. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Chris likes Ryan Braun based on everything he's done in and the recent past. 
Scott likes Avi. Yeah, Scott likes yep. Avi. Yeah. As a trio of sleepers for each of us. Yeah. All right. Each of us has uh, 10 seconds to make our sleeper case. Scott, you can start with Avi Garcia. It's going to Miller Park, man. Star making venue. It's uh, transformed uh, players to into, into stars. And Avi Sal Garcia's launch angle has been going up and he hits the ball hard. And yeah, it looks like he could hit a lot more home runs there. But he's not going to play much, is he? I mean, it's. Oh, him. no, he's going to play. He is going to play almost every day. How? Mostly, in, he's going to be their primary right fielder. So where's Braun going to play first? Um, he'll play some right field, but sounds like more first base. And uh, how much he plays at first base probably depends on how well he handles first base. Okay. And it also sounds like there will be opportunities for Avicel Garcia to spell Lorenzo Cain in center field, and that would be another way to get Ryan Braun in. But does Garcia, like, he only has a 31.6% fly ball rate. So. Right, but it's a lot better than, it, it's been going up. Yeah. And he makes. Um, okay. He makes he, really hard contact. Right. Okay. Uh, Chris. So he could have a home run, a high home run to fly ball rate, especially when you put him in a small park like Miller Park. Ryan Braun. He's one of 15 players over the last two seasons who's had at least 20 homers and 11 and 10 steals in each of the last two seasons. He is probably going to be helpful in batting average. He's more of a daily lineups or pure roto player, but at this cost, he's almost certain to provide a uh, positive return on your investment. My case for Nomar Mazzara is is just please just start hitting more fly balls if he can just change his launch angle i think he could be really good it happened for christian yelich who went from good to best player in baseball basically he could go from whatever to like ordinary boring player to must start fantasy guy in like a five outfielder league you know he he just has the upside's higher than that i mean we're talking about a pedigree that was more impressive than christian yelich's when he was coming up as a prospect you know uh, Nomar Mazzara was he's been coasting off that pedigree for four years in fantasy drafts now and this is the first year where basically everyone's given up on him and he apparently had been playing through a thumb injury since 2018 but he had surgery in the offseason so hopefully that helps that's Nomar Mazzara alright anyone else I like I like uh, Shogo Akiyama I mean could bat lead off steal some bases get on base mm-hmm. for the Reds and they should have a pretty good lineup Mike Yastrzemski was really good last year for the Giants. Yeah, he's a sleeper for me. Will Myers has averaged, I think, 23 homers and 20 steals over the last four seasons, despite not being a full-time player last year and missing a bunch of time two years ago. Probably the first two of those four seasons are carrying the load there, right? Not really. Not in terms of the steals and the and the homers. He was like, I think he still stole 15 bases last year and 500-ish. Yeah, it was yeah, he, steals, he had yeah. 18 homers and 16 steals last year in 490 plate appearances and 11 and 13 in 340 the year before. If he's a 600 plate appearance guy, I mean, you're you're probably looking at just a, a, a better chance to be a 2020 guy than Scott Kingery, who's going 60 spots ahead of him. OK, so we're almost we're 100 just, spots. All these scrubs we've been talking about today, <laughs> I, I'm using that term kind of loosely, obviously, but. We still haven't gotten to Mark He's Hanna's next. ADP. <laughs> He's next. Mark Canna. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do the we're gonna do the draft o meter. Zero to ten. How likely are you to draft these guys? I just want numbers so we can get through so many guys. Ready? Here we go. Mark Canna. Ten. Zero, I guess. <laughs> Why? Because I mean our collective him? numbers can't be higher than ten. <laughs> no, yes, it can. Everybody gets an individual number. Mark yeah, Hanna's like a 10. Eight, nine. Okay. Shogo Akiyama for the Reds. Uh, four. Six. Yeah, I'm go, I'll go seven. I'll be, the, I'll be the Akiyama guy. Cole Calhoun, Diamondbacks. Yeah. Four. <sighs> yeah, I'll, I'll go five. In a, in a really deep league, I think, he's, I think he's a cheap source of power who nobody wants. David Fletcher, second baseman. Um, I'm just not sure he's going to play, so like two. I think he'll play. 
I think he'll play. I'm, I'm more. I, I, I think he's more likely to pay the play than Tommy Lastella. Um, so I'll go. I'll go like a five there too. That's David Fletcher. Mike Yastrzemski. Six. I'll go seven. Austin uh, Hayes. Some, dra- some drafts are going to end before you even have reason to consider drafting Mike Yastrzemski. But if if uh, if he's there late and I need another outfielder, he's. All right, we got just numbers, Scott. Uh, in my crosshairs. Okay. Sorry. Austin Hayes. Three. I will go six. Will Myers. Six. Five. Brandon Nimmo. Three. Three. Corey Dickerson. Three. Four. Kevin Pillar. One. <laughs> uh, three. Nico- he could end up playing a lot. Nico Goodrum. One. <laughs> Not in a standard mixed league, but I kind of like him in deeper leagues. I'll say five. Nico Goodrum. Okay. Yoshitomo Tsutsugo for the Rays. Three or four? Six. Gregory Polanco. Four. Five. All right. Tsutsugo, by the way. Tsutsugo. Tsutsugo. Doing pretty well on this o meter. Uh, Jackie Bradley. Two. Three, but I end up taking him in the lay rounds in deeper leagues. I'm just going to pick three, four, five, four more guys here. Yoenna Cespedes. Zero. I'll go three. Austin Riley. Five. Yeah, five sounds good. Brett Gardner. Five sounds good for him, too. Two more, sorry. Trent. Oh, three more. Trent Grisham. (laughs) Four. Three. Dylan Carlson for the St. Louis Cardinals. Zero. Somebody always wants him more than me, so I'll say two. And finally, Ian Happ for the Cubs. Six. Four. All righty. Let's read your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, and stick around for the regulators a little bit later. This is from Mike. Is it me, or does round three suck? The pitchers, Strasburg, Snell, Bieber, seem like they're in the same tier as the round four pitchers, Sale, Kershaw, Corbin. The hitters are full of guys that were great last year but don't have a track record, Alonzo, Devers, Alvarez, Meadows. Or more established guys we're expecting to take a step back, Altuve, Baez, Bogarts. All in all, there aren't really any bad picks, just a lot of meh picks. Meh picks in round three. Oh, come on. (laughs) First of all, if you're looking at it like... I don't need to take a pitcher in round three because I can take one in round four. You're probably not planning on taking enough pitchers. Secondly, Yonder Alonso was Pete Alonso. a Mike Trout level back. Pete Alonso. Oh. Pete Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was, uh, I don't know what happened there in my mind. I'm sorry. You know what I was thinking was Jordan Alvarez. Oh, okay. yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Because he tends to go in the third round. He was mentioned in the, third in the email. Yeah. Sorry. That don't do not. What I was going to say is you're if, you're, if you're lumping Jordan Alvarez in with that group, he was a Mike Trout level bat last. I th- actually, I think he might slip to round four on average. I, look, but he should I, go in round three. I think his point is fair. I mean, in round two, J.D. Martinez, Jose Ramirez, Anthony Rendon are going in round three. It is Pete Alonso, Glaber Torres, Jose Altuve. It, yeah, don't don't draft those guys. Don't draft the overrated ones. Draft draft the pitcher, or uh, you know, if if you want an exciting bat, I'd I'd reach a little early for Jordan Alvarez or Cattell Marte just to make sure you get them. If you wait, if you wait until their ADP, there's a good chance you miss out. The thought of taking Cattell Marte in the third round is terrifying. He has had one good season in his career. Mm. Last it's, four months of 2018 were really good. The same number as Blake Snell and Shane Bieber and Pete Alonso and Rafael Devers and yeah. Jordan Alvarez and Austin Meadows. Well, <laughs> Probably a quarter of the player pool, right? <laughs> this is why auctions are interesting. Because in an auction, if you want, you can take three or four players who go in the first two rounds. You know? No, but I... I I do agree with the email. The emailer. This is a range where I start to get antsy. I'm a little anxious when I'm when I'm trying to pick there. Yeah, you feel like you might be screwing your team up, right? It's nerve wracking. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's that's how it always is, but we'll do our best to uh, sort through the ones we like. I mean, I think we've pretty much made it clear we don't like Glaber Torres in this range. Chris has made it very clear he doesn't like Pete Alonso. I mean, basically, just take Matt Olson four rounds later. Um, which pitchers are you avoiding here? I'm not taking Strasburg in the third round. Yeah, I, I can't take Strasburg that high. It just it seems like a huge overreaction to the one year he stayed healthy. Yeah, and oh, his, man, Chris is being well. I mean, with Chris all the guys that injury all, history guy now. Well, it's just with all the guys we downgrade for their injury history. Steven Strasburg is the one guy who we're like, that's it. He's healthy now. Yeah, you oh, he, can rely he, on him. It's not just that. Like before, I was skeptical of the performance on top of it that it was really going to be ace caliber. But I, I like the changes he made to his pitch selection and the fact he's a much more ground ball oriented guy now. Um, like I, it looks more like an ace profile now. He was better in 2017. I understand. He had the highest ERA. I, I trust what he did last year more. He had the highest ERA of any of the top 12 pitchers in points or roto leagues. Steven Strasburg. Yeah. So you know he went 18 and six. That helped. But 3.32 ERA is good. It's not the 24th pick in the draft. That's his ADP right now. Well, it depends on how believable you think it is. I look. I think it's more believable for him than some of the people who outperformed it. Yeah, but he's had a three thirty two ERA or higher in four of his last five seasons. He was a different pitcher last year, man. And he, he had a three thirty two ERA. Like he, it wasn't. I look ERA matters, and yeah, I, and he made steps to have a better. And he didn't ERA have a better baseline. ERA. His so peripherals. It didn't work. His peripherals were basically the same as the previous couple no look at the ground ball rate Chris. right 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 but the actual like yes the ground ball rate was higher although like the difference between 2017 and 2019 is five points which is not nothing but it's five like a ground ball big among but it's like a rate. ground but it's like a ground ball every game basically uh but i'm talking about like the fip sierra xfip dra like pretty much everyone you point to he's different like the shape, yeah, of I like his... the shape more. It's a better shape. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, last I ground just... balls and ground balls okay. and whiffs. That's what it's all about. And if and, uh... if he'd done all that and thrown 170 yeah. innings like he usually does, nobody's taking him here. Yeah, that's. I think. I think well, he's going instead. Five, he's going five rounds Tell later. Who, who do you want instead? I don't want a third round pick. <laughs> Give me two fourth rounders instead. I think I'd take Flaherty over him. I definitely I would take Flaherty over him. Well, I rank Flaherty over him too. So if that's all we're getting to, then there's no argument. But I, it's no, it, like, it, it speaks to the some, uncertainty. If somebody here. takes Flaherty, I'm not going to say I can't take Strasburg because the number associated with this round is three. Like that's that's not how drafts work. No, but it speaks to the uncertainty of round three, which is what our emailer was talking about, and you're just seeing a kind of an uneasiness. Well, if you think the round four picks are more certain, take one of them instead. I, I just I don't get. I don't get. It. I don't know. I, I think. I think the point is not so much about round three. I think it's post round two, and it's a you know it's a good point. There there are only going to be so many players that you feel super comfortable with. Would you take Bryce Harper or Steven Strasburg? <laughs> Strasburg. I'd take Harper. They're okay. they're, they're the same guy. They're the <laughs> one's a pitcher and one's a hitter. How yeah, they but the they're the same guy. guy. <laughs> they're the same exact person. They couldn't be any. More different. No, they are the same. I agree. I see what Chris is saying. <laughs> like they, uh, next they email. feel like they should be better. They have trouble staying healthy. Not not Harper in anymore. Strasburg's, in Strasburg's case, you're just paying full price. I mean, you're you guys are for the one year he stayed at this purely from a uh, a trustworthiness standpoint, as opposed to a team building standpoint. And it's it's all about what you what you're going to need and when you can get it. And this is the chance to get a high-end starting pitcher. And when the round's over, you're going to have much fewer chances to do it. But not if I already took one in round two. Okay. You know, I, I, I will. But maybe you shouldn't. Round I'm not going to take Bryce Harper. You don't like the hitters in round three. I'd rather have Blake Snell than Steven Strasburg. All right, that's I'll for tomorrow. That. Uh, both. Zach from Why San Jose, both? California has an email. Dear George, Thomas, Theodore, and Abraham. Those are presidents. I'm in a 12-team mixed head-to-head categories league, and it's an auction. My entire league seems to employ these studs and scrubs. Ooh, you mixed two expressions there. It's either stars and scrubs or studs and duds. You went studs and scrubs. 
but my entire league seems to employ the studs and scrubs approach. Trout, Yelich, and Acuna will go for 55 to 60 bucks. There will be value later. But can I really afford to build a team around mid to late round guys? Interesting. Well, in this context, you're not building it around mid mid round guys. You're building it around like round four guys. Like that, the idea would be if every if the top ten guys, let's say, are going to go for, you know, uh, a significant portion of the player pool, the guys who should benefit would be either the next tier or the following tier who will probably go for you know a few bucks less if not a lot more than that so i think that's where you probably want to pivot to is really trying to nail down guys in like the 20 to 50 range and get as many of those guys as you can and build a more well-rounded i i would not do that i think the shallower the format is the more studs and scrubs you need the more you need to lean into studs and scrubs you need the sort of impact players that you're trying to trade half your roster for in june uh, because you're trying to to improve your team's overall baseline and the waiver wires overflowing with players you can't roster. So just take that aspect out of it. Get the get the real difference makers in the auction and trust that you're going to be able to play the waiver wire later on. Now, I know I'm a committed, aggressive waiver wire player, so I am totally comfortable doing this. If you're somebody who kind of, you know, checks every once in a while and and maybe you'll see what the top options are every other week then maybe this isn't for you but if you're if you're somebody who's going to be on top of your team every week making moves then then yeah don't don't put yourself in the position of of having to try and and uh package two for one deals to uh to get studs when you could have just had them in the first place an alternative to the two stars and scrubs, I guess. Like if everyone in your league is trying to get stars and scrubs and you have to pivot and it's a 12 team categories league, he said, I think that you can really make up for it with the round three to five starting pitchers. Like you can have four of them, maybe of Corbin, Kershaw, Castillo, Nola, yes. right? Yes. Like that's where you might be able to really dom Blake Snell, Chris Sale, no, you might be able to dominate. That's there. a good point. That's a good point. And I should have clarified. I don't necessarily mean paying $60 for each of the top four picks. I'm saying look at where your dollars are going to make the biggest impact. It might be with the Trout or Acuna. But this year, I mean, the case I keep making over and over again is that the highest impact players are the high end starting pitchers. So maybe that's where you devote your auction dollars instead. Just understand that you may have to be pay more for them than what they're projected to go for. Yeah. Yeah. But that's because they're irreplaceable. And so like if, if you want to give your team a higher potential baseline, um, you know, trust yourself to find those, those breakout picks later, especially among hitters. Sean Black says, I know you mentioned Marcelo Zuna having a good year, but I think he may have a great year due to him hitting behind three hitters in the overall top 50. How does this improve his potential, Marcelo Ozuna on the Braves? He may have a great year. He may be a top 15 outfielder. Lineups matter. They matter. If that's the overall point here, right? Accounting stats, it helps. Yeah, although last year we published a piece from Alex Chamberlain uh, on CBSSports.com that basically looked at the impact of the lineup around a player and. I think he found something like 85 to 90% of a player's production in terms of runs and RBI is explained by their personal production and then their spot in the lineup rather than the guys hitting in front and behind. Which makes sense, but that still leaves 10 yeah, to 20% sure. that don't. Right. And when that's you're right. talking about runs and RBI, which can number in the, over 100, that's that's a significant, that that seems like a significant finding to me rather than one to dismiss. Uh, this next email is from John. He says, Dear Davis, Bryant, Sale, and Carter. Chris's? Chris's. This is a keeper like question. This. Yeah. Disguised as a rankings question. At the same keeper cost, I'm choosing between three of the following four players. Who is the odd man out? Brandon Woodruff, Zach Gallen, Frankie Montas, and Kyle Tucker. <laughs> Who do you cut? 
I guess it's got to be Tucker based on rankings. He's going well below behind all of them, but mm-hmm. uh, if he had a job, if he for sure had an everyday job, I think I would put back Woodruff. I know based on ADP and maybe based on other people's rankings, that nice. might seem nuts, but I just I think Zach Allen and Frankie Montas are better pitchers, and I think Kyle Tucker has more upside. And one thing that we haven't talked about with Brandon Woodruff, the Brewers lost arguably the best pitch framer in baseball last year. And he's a pitcher who doesn't necessarily have multiple put-away pitches. He kind of has his fastball, and that's it. That could make a, a sizable impact. Interesting. It, I, I would want to know the keeper parameters. If it's just four players, you, you, you pick your best four players to keep every year and there's no cost associated with it or whatever. I think, I think t- Tucker's easy to put back because there's a high amount of keeper turnover in this league. But if it's, a, if it's more of a keep forever scenario, um, even though Woodruff is my highest ranked player of these four for uh, 2020, he's, he's probably my lowest in a keep for, forever scenario. This is from Michael Kedor. I'm sitting on Josh Hader as my only closer in my slow draft. I'm heading into round 16. I'm considering grabbing the whole back end of the Rays bullpen and counting on those ratios. Tell me I'm an idiot moron. I mean, part of the problem is you only have so many roster spots. In a world where you had unlimited roster spots, I think there's value in that because those guys are all probably, you know, Jose Alvarado and... And Nick Anderson primarily are they're they're going to be really good, but you're using roster spots on them and lineup spots that could go to guys who could have more impact. I mean, I, I'm fine with it as long as you are willing to play the waiver wire and f- pick up closers as they come. I don't think this is the lineup that you end your season with, no. but I think that like kind of sort of punting saves on draft day and just knowing you're going to. Like, as long as you have Hater and the Rays, you're going to have some saves. And then you just play the waiver wire and you're not punting, right? You're just not really making it a huge priority. I think you can get away with that. But but beyond just roster spots, that's four lineup spots, right? I'm assuming he's talking about three Rays relievers, Nick Anderson, uh, Jose Alvarado, and Diego Castillo, who aren't really... I don't know. I don't know that those latter two are so bankable in ratios. And even if they were, you're sacrificing not just saves, but you're sacrificing strikeouts and wins. And mm-hmm. I, that that seems like a that seems like a low upside pitching staff to me. It has to be a daily format where you can throw those guys in when your starters aren't going. That kind of thing. You know, I could see you having middle yeah. relievers there, but. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess the long story short, it doesn't seem like a great strategy. Here's from Rosendo. Mike Ostremski or David Dahl? Dahl. Dahl. From Allen. First year playing fantasy baseball. Any tips for keeping up with a daily league? <laughs> Amphetamines. Um, <laughs> if you're worried about this, a daily league is probably not for you. I've played daily leagues before. I don't enjoy it. And what inevitably ends up happening is on Monday when I'm setting my lineups for all my mini weekly leagues, I just go through each individual day, look at how the the probable pitchers line up, and go ahead and set each day for the entire week ahead. Do not listen to Scott. This is a terrible answer. I am cutting Scott off, and here's why. You are a first-time fantasy baseball player. You do not play in as many leagues as Scott White, I promise you. You will have plenty of time. It's not that hard. I was a little hesitant to get into daily leagues. I like them just fine. Uh, But you should listen to Scott in that it's a great idea to set your lineup for the week on Monday, just in case you forget one day. But you should look every day to reset your lineup. As far as tips in terms of adding and dropping players, you got to be on top of the box scores. You got to listen to the podcast. We're going to help you every single day. It will come out. Our shows will come out earlier in the morning during the season, by the way. But uh, looking at like roster trends pages is really helpful. See who the other people that are playing fantasy baseball are looking at, uh, and that's that's a good way to do it. Uh, don't be intimidated by it. It is tough when you have a bunch of leagues. It is. If you're just doing one or two, I promise you can handle it. Uh, all right. Let me read one more email here from Mason. 
Nelson Cruz is once again going many rounds later than his production suggests. I've drafted him in the past four seasons, and Cruz has been a steal every time. What's an appropriate round to draft Nelson Cruz so I don't miss out? In a 12-team league, his average draft spot is seven. It's like the middle of round seven. Uh, and I I don't know that I'd want to pass up on what's still available in round six to reach for him any earlier than that. I think I would just trust he's there in round seven. If you really want to gamble, he might be there as late as round nine. I mean, but I, you um, look at some of the guys going in the sixth round range, and I like you wouldn't rather have Nelson Cruz than Elo Jimenez or Matt Olson or Eugenio Suarez or Vlad Guerrero. Well, you're, you're picking some of the worst. Of the, but the, there's but usually the, somebody no, but, I want. In but round those six. are the guys. Those are the hitters being drafted in round six on average right now. Paul yeah. Goldschmidt, DJ LeMahieu, Vladimir Guerrero, Eloy Jimenez, Matt Olson, Eugenio Suarez. Do any of those guys have more upside than Not even Nelson close. Cruz? Not even no. close. Nelson Cruz has first round upside. That's yeah. what he was. He was a first round caliber hitter last year. He won't be that good. He had his best year ever. I'm going to say he's still. If you look at the past six years, forty he's, he's forty-one home runs. Yeah, every year, is he significantly runs. riskier than any of those guys? Yes. Is he? I think. Well, I don't know about all of them, but I think last year he missed time. The year before he played through injury, so it does sort of seem like okay. It might but happen. let's go through them. Paul Goldschmidt's old, not as old as Nelson Cruz, but he's been he's been healthy. DJ, DJ LeMay, who has the one good year. That's the Vladimir That's Guerrero. The Vladimir Guerrero struggled with injuries each of the last two seasons. In addition to never having, uh, you know at what? This Instead level. of doing this, why don't you tell us the answer that you think? Because I think he is riskier. Do you think he's riskier? No. Okay. Good. Moving on. Let's do Fifth some or re- sixth round. Let's do some regulations. If you have a question, a commish question, a league dispute, you send it in to fantasybaseball@cbsi.com. You put. Fantasy regulators in the subject line. This is from Connor Jock Peterson. Uh, I am starting up a dynasty league this year with some of my buddies. We've been having trouble settling on a draft format. I find that dynasty is uh, the easiest and most fun to manage with salaries and contracts, which makes an auction draft the most suitable option. Several of the league members have expressed their concerns, parentheses whining, about the length of time it would take to finish an auction with 25-plus roster spots. Oh, wow. The proposed alternative <laughs> is to do a snake draft with predetermined auction values to eliminate the timely bidding process. Do you think this is, a, this is a legitimate option, or should I just tell them to suck it up because it's only one day a year? The draft is the best part of the, of the season. It's a long auction, it's the, though. It's the long. most fun. It's going to take a while. Oh, yeah. no. I have like to spend if- time with my friends. <laughs> if you're not, if you're not all about, I, I don't know that this is a good first sign for the health of this league. If they're complaining about how long they might have to devote to, to auctioning the initial rosters, but you don't want to drag them kicking and screaming. If this is if this is the best you have to work with, then I think the alternative um, proposal is is I is I don't like suitable. the predetermined auction values too. To tie to a draft. What Just if, do draft right What if you do what we do in our Memorial Magazine Roto League? You auction the, the starters, and then you do a seven-round bench snake draft, and you can do make those guys be a dollar or whatever the heck you want. But what if you auction most of the league and then finish with a snake draft? I mean, that could save you like an hour and a half. Could do that, right? Great. Do it. From Cole... I'm in a 12-team dynasty league where you can keep up to 20 players from a 30-player roster. One owner traded Gavin Lux and a 2023rd round pick for Nick Nick Senzel. Our keeper deadline was January 1st, and the owner who traded for Senzel forgot to mark him as a keeper. So he trades for for Senzel. He forgets to mark him as a keeper. So now Senzel is eligible to be drafted. Should the commissioner have made it right by putting Senzel back on that guy's roster, or was he correct in showing tough love and leaving Senzel in the draft? Commissioner I have, needs to put it back. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, if you didn't have this rule, then it's leave it. But in the league where I'm a commissioner and it's a dynasty league, if you make an offseason trade, it doesn't matter what happens, when the trade happened, 
you have to keep those players who were tra- traded for. That's the that's the rule I have. If you don't have that rule, uh, you know, Dylan Cease in the fifth overall pick for Nick Senzel sounds like a pretty good trade to me. Yeah, that was the second part. No, you put Senzel back on the, if he really wanted to keep yeah. him and he forgot the deadline, you put Senzel back on his roster. Come on. You're going to make a mistake at some point, too. And how would you want somebody to respond to that? Like, it, it was an obvious mistake. Exactly. I never make mistakes. It's been this regulated. Is not, uh, this is, doesn't have to be. Yeah, this isn't. The punishment doesn't fit the crime. From Andy. 14-team Dynasty Roto League, I'm in, has recently discussed implementing daily standard fab. The specific detail we are arguing arguing over is whether or not uh. players should be... <laughs> immediately addable slash droppable for free after the waiver fab claims have been processed each day at 3 a.m. No. Hey, one side argues that saying, yes, maximizes lineup optimization and you can replace players who are a last-minute scratch or take advantage of streaming catchers, etc. It's basically like what fantasy football leagues do. The other side argues that saying no minimizes league parity and keeps managers from having an unfair advantage because they have push notifications for Twitter, blah, blah, blah. What do you think? The question is, we're thinking about implementing daily fab. Should players become free agents after fab runs? And I don't don't understand. How do you have daily fab? Do you just have certain hours during the day? Yeah, that's that's silly. Or the, or the dropped players are the only ones that go through the fab process as opposed to the ones that are just sitting out there. That's silly. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like turning fantasy baseball just into the game, a game of who can sit at the computer the longest and has the most time to sit there clicking. And uh, for a, a league with daily lineups, that, that sounds like what a free ad drop environment would do. So no, make it fab. Andy also says, Baez, Felicia, which is very funny. Last regulators from Steve. Dear Will, Mackenzie, and Charlie. Is that like the newsroom? I have no idea. Can you Google it? No, it's... No, I don't know what it is. Last season, I was asked to take over a team in an 18-team league. It was the first year of this league, and the previous owner had drafted, thinking it was going to be a keeper league. I like that it's, it still makes me laugh. Yeah, it cracks me up. The previous owner had drafted thinking it was going to be a keeper league, and he drafted all prospects, including Vlad and Eloy. However, it was not going to be a keeper league until the next year when they established that all players would return, as this was a Reddit league. <clears throat> the commissioner wanted to make sure that they had the same owners and that everyone played before establishing keepers. I said that I would play, but I didn't want to pay the league entry fee for an 18-team league that I didn't get to draft and was literally unable to compete with how little talent was on it. The commissioner said that if I play and paid the entry, I could keep one of my players for next year. So basically, I give up on that year and still pay, but I have an advantage going into 2020 when we start keepers. Or 2021, I guess, when we start keepers. I agree, and I pay the commissioner, and, and I paid, and the commissioner won the league. Now the league is getting set up again, and the commissioner told me that he can't give me the keeper he promised me because... Oh, it was going into 2020, sorry. That he can't give me the keeper he promised me because, quote, it would give me an advantage over everyone else, end quote, which was literally the point of the agreement. He told me I could pay to play again or leave the league. I feel like I've been cheated out of my entry. (laughs) Yeah, this is garbage. Yeah. There's got to be another side of the story, Steve. I'd love to hear from the commissioner of this league, who clearly lied to you. But if there's no Those other side... Those were characters from the newsroom, by the way. And... Not there good? You go. Not a good show? Maybe my least favorite television show of all time. <laughs> Chris dislikes more TV shows than he likes. Uh, it is so... It's so bad. I've never it, seen it. I can't say one way or the other. I've never seen it either. And I guess I won't, because I trust Chris, even though... You know, I had a like an indie music jam sesh with Heath on a drive yeah, back. Yeah, he was telling me about that. Yeah, yeah. Who was that guy I liked? Sturgill Simpson. I liked his, his album. Well, I don't, I don't like his country stuff, but this was like a rock album. It was pretty good. And Wilco I enjoyed. Stuff is better. I enjoyed Wilco, but, but they're wimps, and I can't listen Wilco's, to them for more than Wilco's five minutes. Wilco's great. Yeah, but they're wimps. You need a, a, a real band like Aerosmith. Okay. Ugh. 
Thanks for listening, everybody. Back tomorrow with Starting Pitcher Part 1. See ya. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com.